Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Nash Biz Podcast with my co-host, John Trusty. And today we're interviewing Rachel Sanders. Rachel is the CEO and co-founder of Routine, a precision nutrition startup optimizing health and human performance. With 10 years experience at the intersection of health and technology, she is disrupting the market as a female founder in the male-dominated personalized health tech space. In addition to being a founder, Rachel is a startup advisor, investor, new mom, and has been featured across Forbes, Entrepreneur, Thrive Global, Business Insider, and more. She started her career as an investment banker and has worked in product and strategy at a high-growth digital health company. Rachel received a BS from Vanderbilt University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Rachel, how's it going? I'm great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That's uh, that's quite the resume. So as we're diving into this, like I mentioned before, it's going to be a very raw, very real conversation talking about the highs and the lows of the journey. You've been through a lot. You've gone to Harvard, you've gone to Vanderbilt, and now you're running a very cool startup in the health space. Let's talk about day one, Rachel. So give me, my audience, and trustee that 30-second elevator pitch of who you are. How do you introduce yourselves to people? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that that intro is, is pretty holistic on everything I do, but um, I'm CEO and co-founder of Routine. We're a precision nutrition startup. Uh, focused on optimizing health and performance. And it really stems from personal experience that we founded Routine in that I had just graduated from business school, was in the midst of founding my first company. Um, and after dealing with stress and fatigue and some of these other common health concerns for a number of years, I started really looking at my overall health or, or my health stack, uh, as we call it now. And how am I performing across nutrition, across sleep and exercise? And when I was really digging into the nutrition part, I knew I was eating well, but um, I I noticed that close to 90% of the U.S. doesn't get adequate daily uh, intake of vitamins and minerals and and started looking at kind of my micronutrients and and where my deficiencies lied. Um, And at the same time was connected with uh, Daniel, who's our other co-founder, PhD in biotechnology. Um, And he was equally looking to optimize his performance, but had had over a decade of experience um, really creating consumer facing products using biometric or health data. And so we came together. uh, We're really unimpressed with what we saw in the market around solutions related to nutrition and and micronutrients specifically um, and built routine driven by by a mission to empower individuals to leverage their data to um, really achieve optimal health through precision nutrition. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that that's definitely a hot topic nowadays of people wanting to be more nutritious, but not only that, but customizing it to their needs, because I mean, everybody's body's different. My body's different from yours, et cetera. So how does that work? How how does someone start to work with routine and get that, you know, whether that's a vitamin pack or whatever other products and services you offer that is unique to their specific body we make up? Yeah, definitely. So getting started with routine as a member is is super simple. Um, We really, today we really offer at home um, testing as well as personalized insights, products, and tools to help people track and improve their health um, over time. And to get started, you really you select your personalization option. So um, 
you are really deciding how you're going to, which data you're wanting to include and, and how you're going to give us or, or get that data. And we look at things like um, lifestyle, so age, weight, biological sex, um, diet, activity levels, and then also look at genetics and blood levels, all of which, um, based on thousands of clinical studies, all of these data points um, have an impact in how your body utilizes, metabolizes, um, or needs nutrients. Uh, from there, uh, people can view the results in their member dashboard and dive deeper into their personalized formula. We create one-to-one -one, um, personalized formulas, deliver those to your micronutrient formulas, so vitamins, minerals, and specialty compounds, um, and deliver that to your door. And then you can track um, how you're feeling over time. And, and over 70% of our members are improving in areas like energy, stress, immune health, skin health, sleep, and more. Um, so really making an impact um, even early on as a company. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I, that's something I'm interested in because I'm a big vitamin nut. I, I take a lot of vitamins. My wife is the exact same way, but I feel like there's always a way to optimize that, right? You don't know if you're taking the exact ones your body needs. And there's so many different labels. You don't know. There's so many options. Are you going to do the cheapest one, the organic one? You don't know. But something that's a, a really hot topic nowadays, and, and trust you, I'm, I'm wondering if you can speak up on this is nootropics, you know, mm -hmm. basically increasing your brain power. Do you guys institute anything like that into routine? So brain health and, and really focusing on mental clarity and, and managing brain fog is definitely something that um, our formulation. So we currently offer 19 um, vitamins, minerals, and specialty compounds that are all research proven to have an impact um, on your body or specific health, health concerns. And so really focusing our ingredients and our, um, yeah, our ingredients and, and your formulas based on, um, what makes sense given the, given the research that's out there, we don't currently offer, um, anything in the neutro nootropic space, but it's definitely an interesting, um, category and, and something that people are looking at further, um, and some really interesting players, even starting into the personalized nootropics space, uh, versus the standard one size fits all um, yeah. solutions that kind of initially came to market. I know a big issue is, is sourcing, uh, not just nootropics, but also the vitamins and minerals and, and the source can have a big effect or, or a big impact on the efficacy of them. So talk to us a little bit about how y'all are sourcing your vitamins and minerals and how you can guarantee that you've got that higher quality than if you go to CVS and buy D3 off the shelf where it's, you're probably not getting what it's telling you you are. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest kind of considerations that people should always be thinking about is, is, is this product bioavailable? So what that means is, is will my body actually be able to absorb and utilize it in a way that is most effective um, and get the most out of whatever you're taking? Um, we really source for the most bioavailable um, and naturally available products on the market um, and create what's called a microbead. And this is our form factor. So they are slow release. They're engineered to be more bioavailable um, for a variety of reasons. One, they manage up, um, problems with uptake channels that a lot of other products might have. Um, the fact that they're also slow release throughout the day means for uh, specifically for water soluble nutrients, you're getting dosing throughout the day versus overdosing in the morning or at lunch when you might take the product um, and not having that, that adequate level throughout your day. Uh, and so we're really focused on, from a product standpoint, making sure we're sourcing for bioavailability mm -hmm. and form factor for bioavailability um, so that people are getting what they need throughout the day. That's awesome. That The form factor that also has to help with, I know some people 
can have sensitive stomachs and guts. And when they take a lot of vitamins in the morning and they're just getting slammed with all of that, does that kind of mitigate some of that, that risk? There? Yeah. I mean, close to 40% of people can or won't take large, large pills. And when you start to put out numbers like 19 different vitamins and minerals, thinking about taking 19 different large pills, um, pretty much would negate, uh, most people from, from taking, um, our product. And so, uh, 95% of the, of the market or, or our customers don't have any, um, concerns taking routine and it really allows them to take their, the nutrients they need in a, in a new way. So you can take them with liquid, but you can also put the microbeads into a smoothie or store them into your breakfast. I've eaten, I've even eaten them with ice cream. Um, not the most health conscious, but, uh, kind of a fun, fun test thing that I did. Um, and they also, um, are great for people that have trouble with nausea. Um, we have had a number of members report that they typically experience nausea. Um, but with our microbeads, they don't, um, deal with that. And you also can take them with or without food, unlike a lot of vitamins or, or mineral pills where, um, you really need to take it with food for, for the nausea. This is, this is really cool. I'm looking at a picture on your site of the guy, you know, dumping it back. Is it just a, it's a packet of beads. So that's, it's just one time and you're done. It's a sachet of microbeads. Some people take it in one shot. Um, I typically do like three pours. So like pour, then drink, pour, then drink and repeat. Um, but it really depends. Each, um, person has a unique amount of microbeads in their sachets because we dose on an N equals one basis. And so depending on how many um, or how large your pack is really will depend on how you want to take it. Yeah. So in, in this space, right, we mentioned how this everyone becoming health conscious is becoming a very hot topic. I think it always has been, but now people are starting to do something about it. How do you plan to keep routine ahead of the game and continue to stand out in this market that's going to continue to expand? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the really interesting trends and, and exciting parts and opportunities in the space is that um, people are starting to realize that one fits one size fits all solutions, whether it's across nutrition plans or, or diets or exercise plans um, in health really don't work. And it's n- not backed by science or like people from a scientific standpoint, it's not advisable to follow a plan that everyone else does. And this is because everyone is unique. Um, a lot of research that's been done specifically in the nutrition side, um, is based on averages for very specific populations, um, kind of decades old research in nutrition across, uh, middle-aged male doctors is one research study that's consistently, um, kind of reported on or, or linked to. And so there's a lot of opportunity for growth in thinking about what works for specific um, genotypes and phenotypes, what works for people with specific like health considerations or, um, triathletes and, and really digging into, um, a population specific, um, data points. And that's really where we're, what we're already doing. So we're already on the forefront of this kind of concept of precision nutrition is taking in data points from a variety of, of sources. So looking at your genetics, your activity levels, your blood levels, um, and really compiling all of those to create a comprehensive view of what's going on in your body. Um, and then tracking that over time. Um, right. This is a new concept and, and we're already at the forefront of it. And I think that there's going to just be more kind of explosion of, of data. Consumers already have access to a great amount of their health data. 
Um, but there's still a long way to go for democratizing access to data. Um, and then solutions like routine that can really enable those consumers to effectively leverage it uh, to improve their health and get insights that really matter um, versus insights that might be interesting but aren't um, as forward thinking as, as could possibly happen. So I think there's a lot of kind of trends going on there. There's a lot of opportunities for growth and routine is really leading the way in the precision nutrition category, um, which is an exciting place to be. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And does this stop at vitamins or are there other products that you can do beyond vitamins with this? Yeah. So we, um, our current product is, uh, really around optimizing cellular nutrition, um, through micronutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, and other specialty compounds. Um, and we are really building out a platform, um, that can ingest, analyze, um, and make sense of consumer health data, um, through the lens of nutrition. So we're going to be focusing first by expanding the platform in the cellular nutrition categories, focusing on micronutrients, um, and then really, um, building out more of a holistic solution for our members, um, really through the lens of nutrition. And then, uh, from there, uh, continue to grow. So to touch on something, and this is kind of random, but I wanted to bring this up because we, we talked about in your bio, you're doing a lot in this health space. You're at the forefront of, of a massive market that's continuously expanding, but you're also a new mom. So that resonates with me and trusty because we both have, I have a six month old baby he has a seven month old baby. Um, and it's tough. It's tough because balance in my opinion, doesn't really exist. You kind of have to have work-life harmony. Everything kind of has to coexist together. So for you, you know, you're, you're at the forefront of this massive market that's continuously expanding. Um, you obviously know what you're talking about. You're doing things that other companies aren't doing yet, but you also have personal duties that have to be tended to. So what, what is that dynamic like? Do, do you time block? Do you, I, how does it work? Because you give, know, us, give us a day in the life of, of Rachel. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go kind of 30,000, uh, foot view down to the technical, uh, tactical day to day, but, um, overall as a founder, as a leader, um, as someone who is innovating in, in any sector, you can't really afford to have, um, downtime or, or right. days where you're not feeling your best, where you're off for, um, whatever other reason, especially as a parent, when, those days are going to exist. And so finding a way to really focus on self-care um, from a really data-driven approach um, is probably one of my biggest pieces of advice that I give to any like founder, CEO, leader, especially as a parent, because it's so easy to forget to focus on yourself um, and like make sure you're eating well, you're getting the right nutrition, you're getting that exercise and, and you're getting the sleep whenever you can. Um, because it just allows you to perform better both at work and at home. Um, and so that's kind of the overarching view on that. And because I work in the space, it really creates this like parent work balance where my whole day, um, whether it's being a mom or, um, being a spouse or, or being a leader is really focused around, all right, how am I optimizing for my own health and how can I think about optimizing for others? Uh, and that's fun for me. It's, it's, from a personal standpoint, it's, it's where yeah. I spent my career and it's also where I spend my personal time. So that's a, yeah. that's a 30,000 foot view from the like logistics standpoint. Um, my superpower is efficiency and time blocking. Uh, so I am more 10 X more efficient than most people. Uh, I always have been, uh, which allows me to be a better founder and 
gives me extra time in the day. Uh, but I also am very, very specific about how I spend my time, uh, even down to like, I block time for exercise during the day I'm blocking. I, um, I'm basically testing a number of productivity hacks right now. One of which is to only do calls three days, three days a week. The other two days a week is, um, full like deep work, uh, work time, which allows me to get more done and be more, even more efficient with my time. Um, and I, I also take the time to like be with my family. Um, mm -hmm. there are hours of the day that I'm just simply not available and not working. Uh, there are also other hours that most people won't work that I do. So that's, that's really how it, um, how it all works. And I, am not going to say I'm an expert in it, but, uh, today we figured it out pretty well. Yeah. I, one, some of the best advice I got from a mentor of mine was to be very selfish about your time and very yeah. selfish about your own personal development. And, and the perfect example was talks about when you're on an airplane, if something's happening, they tell you to take care of yourself first. Cause if you can't take care of yourself, you can't help other people. And once you become a parent, you have just now put on another hat of something that is relying on you to be there, to be present. So I think it's at the end of the day, if I'm not my best self, I know that I'm not being the best for my business, for my family, for me. I'm not optimizing myself. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a domino effect. And I think we all understand that, that one piece of your life kind of starts to get pushed to the back burner. Other pieces start to also go back there. And then it's so much harder to come back. So that's my piece of advice too, to people is be selfish. You, you have to take care of yourself or things are going to go downhill very quickly. I'm also shameless about asking for help. Yeah, um, that's good too. And a I've lot of people been, struggle with that. A lot yeah, of people struggle I've, because they think it has a weakness. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, especially as a mom, I mean, there's, there's unfortunately different standards um, between like, the parents in the house, um, regardless of what that parent parenting kind of house looks like. Um, but as a mom, it's sometimes harder to, to ask, yeah. but, um, something you just have to get really good at, especially if you're building a startup, um, or like a, you're a leader, you're working, you're a parent, you have a side hustle. Um, you do you, but you have to ask for help. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think people view that as a, a weakness, but I do the same thing. I mean, there's going to be times where you cannot do it all. You want to be able to do it all, but you can't. And you got a support system for a reason, right? I mean, you have a team that we, we talk about this a lot because what we do outside of the podcast is we help people build virtual teams and people are trying to do everything themselves. If you don't have that support system or that team around you, it's impossible. You have to have good people around you willing to do work that you can't get to. Exactly. So this journey of starting routine and growing it to where it's at today, mention how this is a very real and raw conversation. It sounds great. Everything you're doing sounds great. It isn't always great, right? Being a founder, being a business owner is hard. There's a lot of times where you're called to be a leader, you're called to make decisions and you're uncomfortable because you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So let's talk about that because routine doesn't just magically become a leader in its space. There's struggles, there's failures, there's times where you have to start over. How, how do you navigate around those as a founder? Because everybody reacts differently to those things. And for the listeners out there, people are going through stuff, whether they want to talk about it or not. And sometimes they just need guidance. Yeah, no, um, being a founder is hard. Yeah. And it goes like, it goes from being great to being hard on like a minute to minute basis. Mm -hmm. um, from like 
in the morning, you ask yourself why you're doing this and just believe your business is going to fail to like the afternoon where you're going to take over the world and become the next unicorn. Um, the, the biggest piece of advice and, and what I've learned is that I'm very good at is figuring out how to thrive in the uncertainty and be comfortable with never knowing. Um, and also figuring out how to level out those roller coasters. So understand if you're having those thoughts that it's not as bad as you think and understand if you're having the like good thoughts that maybe you should temper your excitement there too. And then that really helps with managing your mental health, managing your stress, and then focusing yourself back in the business. Um, and I actually just on the decision side of things, making decisions in an uncertain environment is very, very difficult um, because you you don't know the right answer and no one does because you've never done it before. And that's one of the exciting parts about innovating and, and building at the forefront of anything. Um, but it's one of the biggest challenges. And I actually just um, posted on Twitter this morning kind of how I think about making decisions. Um, and like the framework there is I really think about how much time does this need, does this decision need to have? And, and that's directly correlated to the importance of, um, of that decision. So, I mean, 90% of decisions can be made relatively quickly. And then there's like a 10% that are really, truly important um, that you need to spend the time to do. Uh, and then like, I always look at data. So we are a data-driven health company. Um, I started my career in investment banking, um, you can look at data and whether it's operations data, customer data, customer feedback, sales data, um, and get some insights that you might not have in your head. Mm. Uh, if there's, if there's a possibility to do that. Um, and there's also, you're not building by yourself. So is there anyone else, whether it's at your team who has experience in what you're doing, an advisor, a mentor, someone else that you've worked with before, um, you can think about like, is this someone I need to ask? Is this a decision I need a second opinion on? And then from there, you just have to make it um, and be comfortable with that. Making a decision is better than no decision uh, yep. and then figure out how to learn from it. So as you're making the decision or as I'm making a decision, I always think, okay, what are the metrics? How am I going to think about this? Like, what am I going to learn um, or try to figure out to see if this was the best decision? And if it wasn't, just iterate on it. Um, I made countless mistakes. Um, but the biggest mistake you can make as a founder is not making a decision. And yep. so that's yep. kind of how I think about going about it. I, I think there's a few sides to it. I think there is power in those really big decisions of saying, I don't know. And let me think about it. But I think for 90% of decisions, like you said, you, you're going to have to make those with 80% of the data. You're not going to have all of it. And I think there's there's going to be failure when you don't make a decision. You just have to make a decision because at the end of the day, it's either right or it's wrong. You got a 50, 50 shot at it. And I'm a big reader. Jeff Bezos talks about this, one of his books where if they have a meeting and they have to make a decision in this meeting, they're not leaving that meeting until a decision is made. And they have this, um, this rule to where it's not where it's not a unanimous decision. It's just saying, Hey, if the majority of us agree on it, this is what we're going with. If it's wrong, it's wrong but we have to start something. We can't just try to figure out the best way to do it. You can also make a decision by figuring out what doesn't work. And there is power in that. So I completely agree with you. And, and I think, you know, you're exactly right. Being a founder is hard. There's times when I wake up and I'm like, man, today sucks. And I don't want to do today. But then, you know, a few hours later, you get a few wins under your belt and you're like, okay, we're about to take over an entire industry in the next 12 hours. So it's a, it's a very, um, I would say being a founder is more mental than anything 
Uh, yeah. Just you, you have to stay level-headed and, and you have to stay balanced. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a lot. I love that the 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 Jeff Bezos way of doing those meetings because there's there's far too many many meetings that you go into where you everybody at the meeting knows a decision needs to be made, but it's not made until you meet again to finalize. It's like everybody spends too long thinking and analyzing, and that's where that analysis paralysis comes in. And you know, no decision's a bad decision. Yeah. And I think if you go into it saying, "Hey, we're making a decision no matter what, whether you agree with it or not." You, you, that's when you start to get the whole team on board because I think they're less, I feel like in business, there's always ego, right? Everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to be one that made the decision. If you go in there saying, Hey, I don't care what you think we're making a decision today. Cause we have to make a decision. That, then you start to get everybody on board. And it comes back to a team. Everybody has to be cohesive and working together because you're all pushing the mission of the company at the end of the day. So back making decisions is, is definitely critical there. Yeah. So Rachel, as we begin to wrap up, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about routine. We've talked about your journey, the struggles, successes, highs, lows. For those of for those people out there that are young founders like yourself, right? They're they want to take control of a market that's expanding. Um, it's probably scary to get into a market this big because you know you're competing with pharmaceutical companies and other companies that have endless amounts of money, of funding, et cetera. How do you overcome that fear? You wake up every day. There's always a sense of fear as a founder, in my opinion. You always have a fear of failure. You have a fear that something's not going to work out, a fear that you made the wrong decision. But part of being the founder is also pushing past that, knowing I believe in what I'm trying to do. So how do you push past that fear as a young founder to tackle this mission that you have? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I would say first start and then start small. So figure out what you can win at. Um, early and how you can get those first hundred people or hundred users, or if you're building a B2B business, 10 users um, that just absolutely love you. And that can help create your product roadmap, give you feedback, talk about you, get that virality going. And then once you've hit that, you can kind of keep growing off of that, but never think when you're starting, I need to go compete with this like fortune 500 company, you need to figure out what you can win at um, and, and really win there and then grow. Yep. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Rachel, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, this is going to be live everywhere. Spotify, Apple podcast. We'll give you some media so you can publish it on yours and, and kind of promote the um, promote this episode. Cause I think it was great just talking in general about people taking over massive markets. I, that's interesting to me. Cause I, I think that is, you know, that there's a new wave of founders and a new wave of companies that are coming through that are really trying to change the spaces that they're in. So definitely commend you for that. Thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, this has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was uh, really fun. And and for anyone listening, I'm going to say that if you want to join routine and really be able to leverage your data to achieve optimal health with precision nutrition, you can check us out at routine.co um, or follow us on Twitter, which is routine underscore co. Yep. And we'll put all this information in the description, guys. So we'll have the website, uh, Rachel's profile link, social media links, et cetera. And then you guys can go from there. Awesome. I'm Thanks so guys. much. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time. 